Our first scripture reading is from the book of Exodus in the 16th chapter. Listen now for God's word to you today. The whole congregation of the Israelites complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the flesh pots and ate our fill of bread. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you, and each day the people shall go out and gather enough for that day. In that way I will test them, whether they will follow my instruction or not. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the Israelites, Draw near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaining. And as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the Israelites, they looked toward the wilderness, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have heard the complaining of the Israelites. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall have your fill of of bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, quails came up and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a fine flaky substance, as fine as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. Our psalm is from the 78th. Yet he commanded the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down on them manna to eat and gave them the grain of heaven. Mortals ate of the bread of angels. He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he let out the south wind. He rained flesh upon them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas. He let them fall within their camp all around their dwellings, and they ate and, well, and were well filled, for he gave them what they craved. Our New Testament reading is from the letter to the Ephesians in the fourth chapter, verses 1 through 16. I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is the same one who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, 
for building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. We must no longer be children, tossed to and fro and blown about by every wind of doctrine, by people's trickery, by their craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth in building itself up in love. And from the Gospel of John in the sixth chapter, verses 24 to 35. So when the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum looking for Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures for eternal life which the Son of Man will give you. For it is on him that God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to perform the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What sign are you going to give us then, so that we may see it and believe you? What work are you performing? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. From the time that we are born, we are expected to grow. A baby becomes a toddler, a toddler becomes a preschooler who grows into childhood, then adolescence, And like our young people whose backpacks we blessed this morning, we expect that each of them will know more in June than they do right now. And we hope that adolescence will grow into adulthood, though I've known some very, very old adolescents in my time. We are always, throughout the course of our life, supposed to become more than we are. We have potential that we grow into, corporally, intellectually, spiritually. Now, we do tend to stagnate. A colleague of mine noted that on the whole, Americans these days are behaving like middle schoolers. A lot of petulance and bullying, cliquishness, mental laziness that manifests in a distinct disregard for facts, let alone for truth. 
Maybe that's not entirely fair to middle schoolers, though. We truly are like children, blown about by every wind of doctrine, as the letter says, by people's trickery, craftiness, and deceitful scheming. After all, how many of us on social media have been taken in by what turned out to be Russian bots messing with our minds and our civic engagement? Be honest now. I know I've been taken in. And we feed on our own stagnation. We look for what best satisfies our basest inclinations. What riles us up? What stokes our energy, whether that energy be positive or negative? A friend of mine recently posted something on social media that was patently untrue. But because it was superimposed on an image of the American flag, she was real quick to get riled up enough to hit that share button. But that kind of food doesn't nourish us. It seems like we are constantly feeding on spiritual and intellectual marshmallow peeps. Sure, we get the sugar high, but then we crash. There's no substance or sustenance. We end up with all the calories and none of the nutrition. And there's probably gluten in it, too. But we are called to feed on the bread of life. The epistolary admonishes us to lead lives worthy of the calling to which we have been called. Now explicitly, this refers to our Christian calling and asks us to live in a way that's worthy of Christ. We sell scripture short, though, if we limit it to life within the church, if we do not apply it to the boundaries beyond our spiritual lives. Scripture is all about community. And if what's good for the goose is good for the gander, then what's good for the the Christian community is likewise good for the community at large. Implicitly, we are called to be more than we are as individuals, more than we are as the church, and more even than we are as secular humans. We are called to grow to mature, to reach adulthood, not just in terms of the number of years we've lived, but in terms of how we interact with others. Now there's a temptation to assume that the people who wrote the letters in the New Testament are only concerned with the church. But we must always keep in mind that Christ died not just for the church, but for the world. Therefore, our calling is to lead holistic lives inside and outside the church, lives that are worthy of that calling. Growth and maturity requires periodic gut checks, moments when we stop and take an honest and sometimes brutal look at ourselves. In what ways are we growing in faith and love and spirituality and intellect? 
but also in what ways are we lacking? Where are our faults? Or as my colleagues like to say, where are our growing edges? And how can we address them? Spiritually speaking, what kind of nourishment are we really seeking? The crowds were looking all over the place for Jesus. And for starters, they weren't even looking in the right place. But what were they looking for anyway? Jesus calls them out on this. You're not looking for what I'm offering. The crowds were looking for something that would leave them feeling self-satisfied. When Jesus gave them bread for their bellies, they decided he should be king. Not because he could truly offer salvation, but only because he could offer them satisfaction of their most basic needs. And Jesus knew that as long as they merely wanted their basic needs met, they would not grow in faith. They'd never see beyond, beyond the bread on the plate to the Savior that truly nourishes. They'd never realize their own potential to become more than just loud, hungry gaggle. Our world is full of such gaggle, loud and hungry. So many want what they want, never mind what they need. They want a society that panders to their needs even to and especially to the exclusion of others' needs. And what we fail to realize in such circumstance is that what truly nourishes is what fulfills the needs of all. We forget what truly matters. Not just a full belly and a sugar rush, but true nourishing food that will enable us to grow and become something more, something better than just a gaping mouth. What are we seeking when we seek Jesus? Jesus comes to us as we are. But Jesus also makes it pretty clear that he's not here to enable us to be merely what we are. When we seek Jesus, we must seek him for the nourishment and growth, that process of sanctification. Now, it's hard to admit for any one of us that we still need any kind of growth, that we still lack in maturity in any way. That is a very, very hard thing to admit. My first role as a pastor my title was Pastor for Christian Maturity. I was about 30 years old. What are you laughing at? <laughs> she, she's proving the point that I'm just about to make. Because so many of the folks in that congregation, 60, 70, 80 year olds, they were determined not to learn a thing from me. They didn't want to hear anything that I had to tell them because no 30-year-old whippersnapper was going to teach them anything about how to be mature. 
regardless of what kind of maturity I may or may not have already attained. They didn't even stop to ascertain that. They refused to learn because their own immaturity entrenched their stagnation. We don't like to admit that we aren't all that we could be. We've come to believe, especially as Western Christians, especially as American Christians, we have come to believe that we have everything, we are everything, and we need nothing. So it's painful when we come to the realization that that isn't really the case. Growth is hard. Maybe you don't remember. Maybe, maybe it's time for us to have a little intergenerational contact. And maybe we need to talk to the young people in our congregation and say, so, it's pretty easy to grow, isn't it? It doesn't hurt at all. There are no moments where your joints actually hurt because they're being pulled apart by the process of growing. It doesn't hurt at all when you make some sort of social blunder at school and get laughed at. It doesn't hurt at all when a teacher or an educator of some sort puts you in your place because you've gotten a little bit uppity about how much you do know that you need to be reminded how much you don't know. Maybe we've just forgotten how hard it is to grow and we've forgotten that it was worth it to go through those painful moments, physically, emotionally, mentally. Growth is hard. It requires humility, which can be excruciating. It requires work, which we assume will be exhausting. But the truth is that the work of maturity is life-giving. When we truly come with humility, with open hearts and open minds to learn what we can from whom we can, regardless of whether they, we think they have something to teach us or not, that's how we feed on bread that nourishes. When we are open to the Spirit speaking through our experiences, through our companions in this life, through our scriptures, through our worship, through our prayers. If we seek to learn and embrace growth, we will be nourished and find fuller life. After all, a few chapters after what we read this morning in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life abundant. I have come that you might have a fuller life. Jesus comes to us as we are, but is not content to let us stay that way. Jesus offers us the realization of our potential. After all, Christ is the embodiment of fully realized potential. Christ epitomizes what human maturity is. 
Maybe we don't need to insist that everyone call Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. Maybe we just need to bring everyone to the belief that what Christ in the flesh was and is, and what Christ taught and what Christ continues to teach, is what we can and should aspire to. Now there's a caveat to that. Because a lot of people think that being Christ-like means being nice. The secret to maturity is not necessarily to simply let everything slide like water off a duck's back. After all, if you're paying attention, Jesus wasn't always very nice. Think cleansing the temple or some of his more scathing indictments of Pharisees and scribes. It doesn't mean being nice. Because too often we sacrifice truth on the altar of nice. Jesus wasn't always nice, but Jesus was always loving. Not in an emotional sense, in a praxis sense. Jesus showed love by speaking truth. And when Jesus spoke truth, and this is important, Jesus' aim was to nourish and help others grow. Jesus never spoke just to be right. Jesus never spoke to hear his own voice. Jesus spoke the truth in love for the edification nourishment, and growth of others, even when he wasn't saying it nicely. Maturity is love in praxis and engaging in growth, being committed to one's own growth and the growth of others. And it's not always nice or painless or even welcome. But it is how we live lives worthy of the calling to which we have been called. For God's glory, always. Amen.